Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Another great episode today. Zooming in from beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado, just up the Rockies for me, I guess down the Rockies for me. We got Mr. Brian Plummer. And Brian is a very experienced entrepreneur, a little bit newer real estate entrepreneur. And he's kind of making the switch from small deals into bigger deals and starting to get into syndication. So Brian, welcome to the show. Great to meet you. Great. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So Brian, why don't you tell us just kind of your real estate backstory? How did you get into this wild and wonderful world of real estate investing in the first place? Well, um, my dad was in real estate when I was much younger, but he retired at a relatively early age. So I never really had any footsteps to follow in, but it was always kind of in the back of my mind that it would be something that, uh, you know, that would be fun to do. Because dad Um, did pretty well at it. He he did. Yeah. He was a real estate developer and did a lot of work out in uh, like 29 Palms and Lake Havasu um, and out there. So. Uh, when I was a little kid, I'd go tag along on some of his trips and uh, go out to the Salton Sea and the high desert out in, um, in California. So beautiful. that was a lot beautiful. of fun. That would leave an impression. All right. But but you didn't follow in the footsteps right away, but it was always kind of in the back of your mind. Correct. Yeah. So um, my wife is uh, a big DIY channel, you know, fanatic and um Flip this house, flip that house, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, fix or flip. And yep, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, in 2008, we decided we'd try our hand at a a fix and flip. And um, so we acquired our first home and did our due diligence based on kind of, you know, what I knew at the time, which wasn't much, but kind of hedging our bets like in location and being close to one of the military bases here, figuring that that would be a um, relatively safe bet, you know, to find uh, buyers. Yeah. And um, we put some money in and worked on it ourselves really hard for a month, uh, put about $20,000 into it and needed to get our money back out just in time for the housing market. Yeah. I was thinking 2008, that's, that's a scary time to be doing that kind of stuff, but yeah, it was, we were, we were too late jumping on board. We thought, you know, everybody else is doing it. So um, it's kind of the the fear of missing out mentality and uh, came back to bite us. So uh, what we thought was going to be um, a flip turned out to be our first rental. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, you guys became accidental landlords. Sorry, sorry, I chuckled. It's just I've heard that uh, I've been in that kind of situation myself. Yeah, yeah, I, I I've heard it too. Yeah, it's it's a, a pretty familiar scenario. Yeah, but um, so we didn't know what we were getting into, but um, we decided we liked it, and then yeah. we had the opportunity to acquire a couple of other properties. One of them was my grandmother's, and she moved in with my mom, so I kind of took over management of that for her and. Um, and then at the bottom of the market, we were able to pick up another another property. So, um, which you total, all you turned all of these into rentals, or did you go back to flip? Okay, got it. Single family home yep. rentals, got it. Yep. Correct. Yeah. So, and that was um, that was it. And so I've been managing the properties and enjoying the um, the income. And uh, you mentioned I'm in small business. 
and I'm a, a franchisee. Had a long history in, in restaurants. I was in the restaurant industry for 27 years, and then some overlap in um, in a franchise, which is kind of a retail setup. And uh, as a franchisee, I it just dawned on me one day in a conversation that I was having with the ownership that I was still working for somebody else, and I started to think, you know, what else could I do? I could have the rug pulled out from under me anytime. And, uh, and then, you know, I thought, well, real estate's a pretty good vehicle to, um, to look into, to continue to build and really start to look at it as a business rather than kind of, you know, a side hustle or, you know, right. a side job. So I started going down that rabbit hole. I thought, well, what can I do to educate myself so that when I make new acquisitions that I am analyzing the deal property, that I'm looking at the right location, that I'm analyzing um, the financing and all the different ways that there is to negotiate and whatnot. So I started taking online courses mm -hmm. and talking to people. And, and when, uh, when about was this that you really decided to take it seriously? What, how, what year would that have been? Well, that would have been uh, 2020, about midway through. Yeah. So right so smack in the middle of the pandemic scariness. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And doing some repairs around the house. Um, some of those honeydew item lists, <laughs> a lot of free time on my hands. So, um, so I was doing some projects and thinking, uh, you know, how do I really dive in and look at this as, um, as an opportunity where I can either continue to have the income stream from my business and or transition completely into real estate. Got it. So what, so, that, so, so you started taking courses uh, up until then you had experience with single family home rentals. Were you kind of initially going down that path or did you just know from the get-go you wanted to get into bigger properties with more rental units? No, I had no clue what I was getting into. I, so I was of the, the mindset that you, you know, start out small, start out with single family. And then when you have a pile of cash, you know, you buy the next one and, and so on. And then you graduate to duplexes and then triplexes and fourplexes and so on. Which some uh, people have done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a logical way to think about it, but not necessary. That's for sure. But that, that makes sense that you thought that way. That's how, that's how most people would think about that. And it seems, yeah, absolutely. It seems to be the logical progression. Um, and so that's what I was pursuing. But then in the education that I was getting, I started to understand um, deal making and uh, all of the different ways to make money in real estate. There's a reason why more millionaires, more wealth has been created in, in real estate than any other vehicle. Uh, and so then I thought, well, you know, there are all these different ways. What seems to be the easiest way or the, the fastest way to build wealth and passive income, generational wealth. And uh, so then I learned about wholesaling. I looked into wholesaling for a while, flipping, Burr method. Um, yeah, not, nothing passive about any of that stuff. That's for sure. No. And yeah, so you're still very hands-on. And it seemed to me to be, you know, slow growth. Mm -hmm. Um which is fine, like I said, but I'm at an age now too, where I'm, you know, I feel like my back's against the wall. I don't have a great retirement plan um, being a single, you know, uh, business owner. And um, 
I started to think, you know, my age is getting up there and I've got to start really taking seriously what the next step is going to be um, to help accelerate my um, my retirement and be able to take care of my wife and my family uh, through retirement. Right. So, um, so then I was looking at all the different ways that there was to make money and, and incidentally, and I don't know if I can drop names or not, but, but I came across somebody that, um, and my education started popping up in my feed, like Facebook and Instagram and so on. And, um, so eventually I thought, well, I'll click on that ad and see what, what they're about. You know, everybody's kind of got their angle. And so I was expecting to get a spiel and, learn about what somebody else was doing. And, um, and after a 90 minute presentation, it had nothing to do with real estate. So it was all about how to grow my business. And uh, I became interested in that. And so I started following this individual and I realized that that whole program to, about your business was how to scale your business to get to the point where you can invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was the end goal. So I, um, so I pursued that and um, ended up getting a, a mentor program and really kind of opened my eyes how to fast track and get into multifamily and self-storage. Seemed to me to be the fastest, um, the fastest way to get to where I wanted to be. So multifamily and self-storage. Okay, cool. So you decided to, to focus on that. And what has that led you down, Brian? What what have have you done a deal? Have you been involved in a deal along those lines at this point yet, or or still kind of in the uh, research and and preparation phase? So I've been to a lot of uh, networking events, um, probably eight or nine, just in the last twelve months. Yeah, and. Um, meeting people, understanding more about it, uh, and trying to figure out, first of all, where I fit in, um, in a syndication, what's my role going to be? At first, I didn't know there were roles, you know, that's how, you know, much of a newbie and and naive I was. Uh, So, you know, as that education progressed, and and my learning curve was taking, you know, a big upward trajectory, I um, started to understand the different roles and kind of what my strength would be what I could bring to uh, a group and, and really be able to contribute worthwhile. And I decided that I was going to get on the capital raising side of investing. So, so what, you know, what for says, folks that the folks that aren't familiar with them, if you don't mind sharing, what would you say are the main roles in a, in a syndication type deal? And I, I guess you're talking about multifamily or I guess self-storage doesn't really matter. What are the main roles of the general partners in these kind of syndications? Yeah, each uh, multifamily and self-storage are pretty similar. Uh, and so you've got the, the person who don't, finds the deals, um, is hitting all the sites and, and doing the screening. And then you've got your underwriter, somebody who really enjoys numbers and looking at you know different scenarios and twisting the numbers every which way. Yeah. Uh, then you've got your asset management Either they have their own uh, property management company or they're well-connected and, and no um, reliable management companies. Right. Uh, and then you've got your, your capital raising. It's really kind of those categories. Um, 
Plus, I yeah. guess somebody in the in the finance department for getting, uh, you know, getting getting the financing lined up for the whole deal, or would that be under the capital raising side of things as well? Well, it could be a different position. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be somebody you know who who's got those connections uh, with debt and understands financing inside and out, or at least has those connections. Because yeah. um, so again, there could be what, there could be four or five different people or groups that are involved as the, I guess you'd call them GPs in this kind of a syndication. Is that what I'm understanding? Correct. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So you decided yeah, out of all of those different roles, the one that floats your boat the most, or the one that you like the idea of the most is being one of the people to help raise capital for the deal to find, to bring on limited partners into the syndication. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. So then, so th- that brings the question up to okay, now what? Now you've you've decided that multifamily is the way and self storage is the way. You're you're understanding what the role, different roles are in a, in a syndication. You've picked the one that resonates the most with you. So what are the next steps, or what have you done already within that realm, Brian? If you don't mind sharing. Uh, so I joined a mentorship program. Yeah. Uh, the more I understood about it, the less I realized I understood about it. <laughs> That's one of those things. One of those um, things. Yeah. I thought you just, you could just you know raise money and and bring it to a deal. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, you can bring money straight to a syndication, but the SEC has a problem with um, people being compensated just as a simple capital raiser. Mm. Um, so, so you. Yeah, so you, so you need, what do you have to do to, to make sure that you're compliant? You uh, need to be involved in more of the day-to-day um, operations. So whether you go out and walk a property, um, you need to document and make sure that it's uh, uh, presentable. You know, if you do get an audit, you've got to have that documentation that you can prove, prove um, that you were there, that, that you looked at it. Yeah. That kind of right. Stuff. Yeah. Or just some of the underwriting or, or help find the deal or, you know, did some of the other legwork involved. Okay. So what, so with that new understanding, what other roles do you anticipate taking on in a syndication? So, well, I think I'm pretty versatile. I, I'm, I could really do any of them, but I, I would think that, Probably asset management. Um, I've got some experience managing businesses, managing my my single family homes. So I think that that gives me some background, some skills that would be um, be considered valuable. Okay. Uh, and I've also come to realize too that um, another avenue of raising money is the fund of funds model, uh, and for that you can be compensated, but you're a separate entity. Um, you're a third party, you have your investors, they bring money to you, you show them kind of opportunities that you have, and then they can invest, you know, either in a fund or in a what they call a, a special purpose vehicle, just a, a single investment, um, such as multifamily or self-storage. And that way you can set up your own pay structure it's a little bit more complicated and there are extra steps in between as opposed to just taking the money straight to a syndication um, and presenting the money that way. But um, each one has its value, but they say, you know, for your first few deals, you don't want to go the fund to fund uh, route. You want to 
just bring money straight to a syndication. Okay. So, um, so that's what I ended up doing. Um, we were able to um, raise some money for a self-storage um, facility in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, um, and I'm talking modest amounts of money because it's, it's not as easy as I thought. Um, so uh, the other deal is a multifamily, 327 units, and uh, also in Texas. But um, it didn't take off quite the way I thought. You know, I got dollar signs in my eyes, and I thought I was going to raise millions. And you know, little did I know, it's it's more complicated than that. The relationships that you have to build, and um, the reputation. You know, I'm relatively new, so I, I've got some ground to cover there. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the you know honesty and integrity and being transparent and um, helping people you know understand what their obligation is and what the deal is, I think I could communicate that pretty pretty well. So what 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 has been your biggest learning experiences from this first capital raise? So um, you raised money for the self storage syndication. What worked for you? What didn't work so well for you? Uh, what are you going to do different moving ahead for future syndications? Yeah, so uh, finding people to invest, of course. So again, that it's, worked, it's worked one of those well, things. Didn't work well. It did not. Did no. not. Okay. So what finding finding investors was a challenge. Was challenging. Why? What What was the challenging part about that? Well, reaching out to friends and family first, mm -hmm. and then, although having some experience and, you know, and a background in, in real estate, doing a big project like this, it's a little bit of a hard sell, even with friends and family. They want to, mm -hmm. they want to help out, but they're, you know, they want to see some results first. Yeah. And uh, proof of concept. Proof of concept, right? And, and being, you know, again, being able to get something across the finish line and things panning out the way that you are explaining and, and showing them. Yeah. Um, so there's that trust, but verify, you know, kind of thing going on. Yeah. And, uh, and then going forward, you know, I'm, I'm looking at marketing. There are different, um, different avenues to do that. I am looking into a, another program that uh helps with that so it's the same program actually it was just another facet of, of that mentor program that i'm involved with mm -hmm. to um create your uh lead magnet and you know kind of automate your email drip campaign and keep people interested and um and all of that but this is my first podcast and yeah. podcasts are a very big part of that and doing webinars and and so on yeah, no, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's great. So, so you, you had some challenge reaching out to friends and family. So clarify for me, Brian, who are you allowed and not allowed to bring on as investors typically with these kind of syndications? How does, how does that work with accredited versus unaccredited investors? Maybe fill us, fill in some of the blanks there. Cause I know there's, there's rules and regulations with the SEC around that. What are, what are your understanding of those rules? Yeah, there are indeed. So uh, well, you mentioned accredited and, and non-accredited investors. Mm -hmm. um, most capital raisers and syndicators want to work with accredited investors. So these are the more 
sophisticated uh, types of investors. They have to have a net worth of a million dollars or an income 200,000 um, for an individual annually or 300,000 for a household. Yep. And, um, and that needs to be established and verifiable mm-hmm. um, either through a CPA or an attorney um, or, or a broker. So where do the where do the non-accredited fit in, which would might be some of your friends and family? Exactly, those are yeah. So I did have some some friends and family that were accredited investors. Yeah. Um, so I had to help them get that, you know, accreditation. Um, but but the non-accredited, less sophisticated investors are you know the friends and family um, usually can come in at a lower buy-in and. Um, and you need to have an established relationship. Um, so to, I guess, protect unknowing or un, un, uh, you know, it's just people that are not aware of the, yeah, the types of, yeah. yeah, the things that, that they could so, be taking. So the way the syndications are structured, I mean, I'm familiar with, you know, 506Cs and 506B type structures. So, or is it some kind of a combination where you take on both? There are instances where you can take on both Good. and there are a limited number of uh, accredited and non-accredited investors right. that you can bring in. Um, but like I said, most, most syndications, capital raisers, they want to bring in the accredited investor of course. or the savvy yeah. investor. They can usually come in with more, more money. The fewer people you have involved, you know, the better. better. Um, yeah. but, so from uh, that first experience with the self-storage deal, um, sounds like things didn't go, you, you raised some capital, but not all the capital that you wanted to. So how did that work out? Did, were there other people in the syndication also in that role, also raising capital for that deal? Yeah, well, so they kind of made my deal, my, my part of the job very easy, um, but actually to the point where I thought that I might even get cut out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we partnered up with a property management team that specialized in self-storage. We pitched them the, the deal. Uh, they loved it. They wanted to co-GP. They wanted to get in on the deal with us and help us manage it and get it over the line. They were one of the largest um, management companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so they had a lot of connections. As soon as they said that they were involved with this deal, their investors were all over it. So nice. what was looking to be a commitment from uh, my group of about a $1.3 million raise um, turned out to just be, in the end, availability of only a couple hundred thousand, which is still, you know, a significant amount. And to be honest, it was um, a challenge to raise that for my first raise. Well, you know what? Not bad for your first raise. I mean, you're starting from scratch, brand new asset class, zero track record, personally. Um, so that that ain't bad. But yeah, luck, luck of the, the roll of the dice there that these guys ended up kind of shaking the tree and, and helping pull across the other million that you needed for that deal. So that's, that's great. That's, that's, so did that affect your percentage ownership or your percentage stake in the deal as a GP because you weren't quite able to bring in all the capital that, that you were supposed to? It did as far as my role is concerned. Um, I, I guess I, from your point of view, I'm concerned about your equity stake in the deal. Did that get affected? It did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. You know, I'm Fair still, 
still cutting my teeth and, and learning. And my group too. So, you know, I'm working with more experienced people, of course, uh, but they were mostly in the multifamily realm. So this was their first self-storage deal as well. So we were happy to bring people on board who really understood and could show us the ropes and that we could kind of tag along with. And um, we were happy to, to, in a sense, take a back seat, although we we're the lead sponsors you know, mm -hmm. of the deal. Uh, we were relying pretty heavily on their expertise and their ability in that sphere um, to help us out. And they did, but, but it was at, at my expense mostly. <laughs> Well, hey, you know what? Hats off to you for jumping right in there with, you know, with both feet and, and giving it a go and having some success, right? A lot of people would have probably given up after it didn't turn out to be all sunshine and rainbows like they expected <laughs> at the initial blush, blush, but you you did what you needed. You did as much as you could under the circumstances. And hey, you know what? Now you're starting to build up that track record as a capital raiser and all the skeptics who wanted to see proof of concept, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in a six months to a year, however long it takes to, to get this deal going and cash flowing and all that kind of stuff. Well, now you, now you got something to point to, right? Here's, here's a deal I've been involved in. Here's a deal that I've raised capital for. Here's how it's working out for my investors. You know, you've, you've got proof of concept now. Exactly. Yeah. And it's part of the learning process and yeah. I just keep plugging away at it every day and doing a little bit more and uh, understanding more and talking to more people. And um, so you know, knowing what you know now, is there anything experience. you would have done differently with this particular deal, knowing what you know now, or, or did you pretty much do everything that, that, that you could? I, well, I don't know if there was much, else I could do because they they were able to raise that amount of capital within a 36 48 hour period so <laughs> yeah, it's hard to if I could have started at hour one <laughs> maybe I could have you know uh could have made more of an impact but but it is what it is and like you say yeah you know it's um, establishing that credibility and um, getting this one under my belt and moving on yeah, no, that's awesome. So speaking of moving on, what are the plans for the next 12 to 24 months? Where where do you see things going, Brian? Well, so my group wants to, with, with what's going on in multifamily right now, the economy and the uncertainty, uh, and with um, money kind of tightening up, we are really looking to focus more in the self-storage realm in the near future. Yeah, And so uh, I, I just intend to get better at what I do. Uh, I would like to have in the next 12 months um, in self-storage. They're easy to, uh, to acquire. So, you know, close to 800, 900 units would yeah. not be out of the realm of possibility. How many units in this first deal? Um, this one was, was 521 units. It was a relatively large deal. It was less than two years old. And yeah. um, the owner was was anxious to sell. He knew our sponsor, our KP, key, key person, and um, wanted to cash out and do more deals with, with our sponsor. Yeah. So um, it just kind of fell on our laps and we realized that we had a good deal. And it, it turned out to be better than, than we expected because people who were in the know really kind of 
jumped on it and took it over for us. So the goal is to do a couple of more of those kind of deals over the next couple of years, focus in on the self-storage uh, asset class and get even more of a track record with those. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Yeah. Not ruling out multifamily, but, but I think we're going to focus more heavily on, on well, self-storage. Yeah. I, I think if, if you can, you, you're off to a good start there. And if you can do a couple of more, like you're talking about, then that just, that really shows that you know your stuff in that asset class. And it just makes it a lot easier versus, you know, there's a lot of overlap for sure. But to the average person, if you're doing this, that, the other thing, you, you come across a little bit like a, a jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Not that that's necessarily true, but this th this gives you a more of a reason why you can say, hey, you know what? We've done a bunch of self-storage deals and those are great. And the reason we're looking at this multifamily deal is because it's great and here's why, ding, 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 right? So it's 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 easier to transfer that that expertise over once you've got even more of a firm footing where you're at. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would say squeeze all the juice you possibly can out of the steel that you got on the go there, Brian, you know, really show people, especially the, the doubters within your friends and family group that the things are happening, things are going on. Um, if, if you have the opportunity to go boots on the ground to the facility and be doing, you know, doing your little selfies, doing your, your, your reels, your Facebook videos, all that kind of social media stuff, not soliciting investors, just kind of showing people that you're doing it right. That, that it's happening, that it's going on right now. And talk about the, the ups and the downs and the, you know, the stuff that's going well, and even share some of the stuff that the surprises that you guys weren't expecting, you know, to keep it real more than anything, it's just to show all those folks that, Hey, Brian is doing self storage deals. He's, he's in there. He's, he's making it happen kind of thing. Does that make sense? So again, that's not so much for reaching out to brand new uh, accredited investors, but it's to be able to go back to those friends and family people and show that proof of concept that they're waiting for. Exactly. Yeah. And you've been reading the playbook apparently. So yeah, doing those selfies and uh, putting yourself out there um, and gaining that credibility and positioning yourself as more or less an authority, you know, in that asset class is, is definitely a worthwhile thing. Well, position yourself as an authority in that asset class to your friends and family at this moment, right? Because quite frankly, if you go get interviewed on a bunch of self-storage type podcasts, you might not be at, at the same level as, as the authorities that have got 30 or 40 facilities under their belt and decades of experience and all that kind of stuff. But sure. to people who don't have any experience whatsoever, then yeah, you can, you can definitely be positioned as the, the go-to guy for those folks. The rest of that, that's going to take a little bit more time to, to get the street cred, so to speak. Yeah. Everybody's got to start somewhere. You do. You do. So Brian, if people want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, my email is Brian P at litmus capital uh, INV for investments. So litmus capital INV um, dot com. Very they good. can email me directly. I'm working on my, 
my website. Um, I should have that up and going here in the near future. Um, so I'll, I'll be able to, next time I'm on, I'll be able to announce that. That sounds good. All right, Brian. Well, congratulations on the first raise and to your success on many more. Thank you very much, Dave. All right, everybody take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.